And it's weird to think that like when I bump into people, you're like, oh, you're from San Francisco, you're a unicorn, right? And it's just like, in a way that's like depressing to hear, but at the same time, it's like, yep, there's some magic to me. There's some magic to everybody that's still here and fighting to be here. That was comedian Mike Evans Jr. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this podcast, Mike picks up where he left off in part one. We talk about his early days doing performance, especially comedy. Then Mike pivots to his involvement in what would become the movie The Last Black Man in San Francisco. That work inspired Mike to write and start producing his own series, Rent Check. The preview for Rent Check is up on YouTube, and the rest of the series drops this fall. We end this episode talking about what it means for Mike Evans Jr. to still be here. Be sure to catch Mike along with past guests Arthur Gauss and Pam Benjamin for a night of live comedy at Casement's Bar in the Mission next Thursday, September 9th, from 5 to 8 p.m. Info is available on our website and also Eventbrite. We hope to see you there. Here's Mike. And then um, just to move to college real quick. Sure. In in college, my freshman year of college, I took this uh, comedy class um, for like a GE requirement. And I heard in one of like the lectures, it was like people trust the stand-up comedian more than they trust the politician. And, wow, yeah. And in that moment, I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. That helped you made up, make up your mind. Yeah. So you were thinking of considering at least politics up until your freshman year. Yeah. Politics are like, like I wanted to SF State because I was like, oh, I can be on the news. I can be a news broadcaster. And I didn't realize that's kind of like almost verbatim being a puppet. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's like you're literally reading off of something with no opinion. And like you got to fix your hair at three in the morning. Like if if something explodes, you're like, well, got to, you know, sorry, kids. I got to run to this fire. You got to read the teleprompter. Yeah. Right. So, uh but yeah. Where did you first sort of discover that you're funny? Um, mm-hmm. Was it more at home or at school? Uh, think? I think definitely at home. I feel like a lot of comedians yeah. just talk about like the table or the cookout or, the, yeah. you know, the whatever. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely at home. Um, like making mom and dad laugh, sisters, that kind of thing, or extended family. Yeah. Like my, my dad is hilarious. So like he's funny. He straight up was like, because I don't have any older brothers. He pretty much was like my dad and my older brother at the same time. He would bully all of us all the time, like, in just, like, silly way. Like, even now, like, I'll be taking a shower at my parents' house. He'll run in, turn off the light, and I'll be like, awesome, great, right? Just, like, <laughs> sick now. Don't know what to Fun. do. Yeah, right? Or just little pranks just for, for no reason or, like, making fun of us and stuff. And so, um, yeah, I think, I can't even think of, like, a story of like me being a child making my parents my family laugh but i always enjoyed it you know laughter is something that made us all very uh very comfortable in the house so um i was gonna say a comedy class your freshman year seems a little bit like oh shit i thought you're supposed to take like math yeah. and english yes um but then, no but that's awesome and, and it hit you like you said it helped you decide mm-hmm. um to so mm-hmm. you didn't get a degree in comedy no <laughs> but no, but yeah. <laughs> but but after you made up your mind like what mm-hmm. what kind of happened next like uh, did, did you have a plan or mm-hmm. so after that 
I because um, this is not that the, long ago, correct? No, this is like yeah. seven or eight years ago. Yeah, but something yeah, like that. Literally, I was nineteen, so about yeah, it was seven years ago. Okay. Um, so there was uh the final for the final for that class was to do just like a three minute stand up bit, and I did it, and it was like it was funny. It actually worked. People were laughing really hard, but um, after that, I was just like, yeah, I want to I want to do this and see where this goes, but. Even in that moment, I wasn't necessarily talking about like stuff that involved society or political stuff. I was just like, "Oh, porn jokes are great because everybody who doesn't relate to that, you know." So, a lot of my jokes kind of reverted back to that a lot. And um, so you went low hanging fruit for a minute. Yes, oh, absolutely. at least for school. Yeah, yeah. definitely for for school. And um, yeah, I uh, I so I, I broke into this like art classroom and invited like maybe like 30 or 40 of my friends to come like watch me at night. Right. I was just at like, Yo. state? Yeah. State. Okay. Like one of like the art department classes. Cause they like, they were set up kind of like auditorium style. Some of the classes were. And so mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, you know, come through at like 7 PM. And, uh, I just had this giant notebook and for 30 minutes, I just read off jokes in front of all my friends just to see how it would go. And, uh, they laughed, went well. And then <laughs> the funniest thing is, when the security guard came, he opens the door and it's just like me with a notebook, right? And like all these people sitting down like it's a class and he's just like the most confused. He's like, what the fuck? Like, he was like, okay, some kids broke into a class and they're probably trying to steal something. But it's like everyone's like watching a show, right? So yeah. he's like, what the hell? And so it was weird, like like clockwork. He walks in literally on my last joke and I was just like, all right, y'all. Thank you so Shows much for over. coming. Yeah. And so after that, we all leave and then... um uh, I signed up for this like comedy, this like stand-up comedy show happening at state, like put on by like the theater department. Okay. And I do a 15-minute set there, and it was like, I don't know, it just really made me feel like I had a future in it. Like I was the funniest of the night, and uh, it was it was great. But, so between yeah. all those experiences, the the one in the class, and mm-hmm. then the the one that you just kind of made happen, yeah, and this um this kind of official event mm-hmm. were you like immediately did you like it did you like uh, doing it yeah so there there's was, the reaction right but then yeah. there's the like did you enjoy did you get fulfillment yeah i um so there's a story i didn't miss in between those things so it was like the class and then i me doing stand-up at mutiny radio oh yeah um yeah i think did that happen first I think that might have happened first, actually. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. So at Amini Radio, I performed like at Pam's Joke Workshop, mm-hmm. uh, which happens every Monday at 6 p.m. Um, As we found out on this show. Yeah. <laughs> we were actually recording with her for the show, and and then the class started. We oh, wow. Stop. Yeah. yeah. Dude, it's, it's great. I told like maybe like 30, 40 jokes in three minutes. I was just so nervous. I was Whoa. just like, right, penis, ah, right. Don't you hate it when, you know? Yeah. And um, I did it because one of my best friends growing up, uh, he was kind of tired of hearing me talk about it. He was just like, you know, because it's like one of those things where if you have a funny friend in a group, they're always like, oh, I could probably do stand-up. Like, oh, I'm funnier than that guy. Oh, I can do this, right? Mm-hmm. Friends who are musically talented, like, oh, I should drop a song or I should do this. But my friend was like, yo, dude, I'm moving to New York, you know, in the fall. Like, you, like before I move, just please do stand-up in front of me one time. Like, mm-hmm. just let's just try it. And tried it. Uh, I was very nervous. I sweated. But, like, it felt good. And I knew I wanted to come back. And luckily, I did. And then got progressively more confident and then... Uh, 
once I realized that like dick jokes aren't just like the jokes you can say for an hour comedy special, <laughs> right? I was just like, oh, brought it back down to like reality and try to figure out uh, uh, different topics. So, okay. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so um, by the time you graduated, were you like really, were you like, mm-hmm. and now you're doing it? And that, yeah. Just doing shows and stuff. Yeah. Obviously, pre pandemic, we won't get into yeah. that <laughs> yet. But so, the, the biggest, like, I would say the biggest change in like my material came from uh so i did this show at sf state in 2014 and in the audience was like one of my really good friends named zach goldstein who uh at the time was like hey you know after the show he's like hey mike you know really enjoyed your show um i have some friends or some mutual friends of ours named uh joe and jimmy who are making uh this movie mm-hmm. who are making the last black man in san francisco mm-hmm. and he was like you should go over there and see what you could do to help out the, the you know the writing process or like anything you know they want you for and so went over there and like uh got involved with these guys coming up with this dream that literally took five years yep. like it it took a very long time to make but um from there um from there i got uh, close with uh, Joe's father, who is uh, David Talbot. David, yeah. uh, he who wrote Season of the Witch. I think I might have a copy of that. Mm-hmm. He's a amazing really book amazing about artist. San Francisco in the yeah. late '60s, '70s. Yeah, yeah. Good and stuff. so he um, he asked me if like he's like you ever you know do political humor, and I was just like no, not yet. I've always been interested though. And he was like, well, I'm hosting this event at the Brava Theater. Um, mm-hmm. I forget what it's called, but it was like this big like. Uh, big political rally kind of just to rally up everybody in san francisco about the housing crisis going on and he was like uh you know i'll pay you to write political material and i was like it's david did cuss. this yeah david Talbot. okay yeah and it's the first time that i was ever like challenged to write about something else and i loved it it was mm. just like i could be so honest i was just like oh i don't have to like make sure these people are okay, these people are okay. I could just go brutally into it. And I studied what politics was. And I was like, oh, it's just people and race and money. <laughs> That's pretty much... <laughs> and yeah. 100% and, you know, land, which is all right. connected. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I did a 15-minute set on that. And um, it was like I... They premiered the like the concept trailer for Last Black Man in San Francisco at this event. And then right afterwards uh, was my first time performing at oh, any, any political okay. material and, and that's 2014 uh, yeah okay mm-hmm. wow yeah. Mm-hmm. um so you're so at that you're like marrying your love of comedy with pol- with politics yeah now it's like all coming together yeah it was it's pretty insane it was like marriage comedy politics and then filmmaking all in the same like right like like maybe week or just it was just a weird like <laughs> crossroads of like this kind of made everything from that moment you know like fucking magic um, almost yeah it was it was it was great um but, yeah. so did you were you involved in the movie yes so i was uh one of the creative consultants for last black man in san francisco and uh american paradise which is like the short film they made uh they came out with in 2018 that premiered at sundance film festival and then um, that pretty much gave Sundance the confidence in in everybody to be like, oh, okay, y'all should just make a movie then. This is awesome. Um, and then, yeah, uh, over the last five years, like, I, it was crazy. I would either be doing stand-up or, like, heavily involved in political protest, and I would be leaving those protests to go add my input onto the news version of the script. Mm. And uh, we would do that either... We started off at, at Joe's family house and then ended up being at San Francisco Film Society in North Beach. Um, 
but it was a trip to like even be invited into those spaces to like give my perspective on San Francisco and totally read the script and be like, this is realistic. This is, uh, this is corny. This is amazing. This is, you know, um, yeah, I just felt, felt really, really happy. I got to contribute in that. And like, obviously the story is so relatable to anybody from San Francisco. I mean, even right. I'm talking about my parents now living in Vallejo, right? Yep. Everybody get pushed out of the city so many different times. And so, um, even though it took five years, I definitely was like, this needs to happen. This yeah. needs to come out because I, me and so many other San Francisco natives relate so much to that story. And like when I was in, uh, we went to Sundance Film Festival finally for that movie. Which year? Uh, in 2019. 19, yeah. I think I have a ticket actually. Nice. Yep. 2019 right there. Yeah. yeah. My fiance just missed y'all. Wow. Really? She was, she, Yeah. 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 Separate story. Right. Okay, no Go worries. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah I cried so much in the theater. Like I yeah was just bawling in the first like five minutes. It's just because uh, well the opening is also is just really beautiful shots, but also Fucking just to see amazing. like just to see the perspective of San Francisco on the big screen that isn't just the Bay Bridge or like Godzilla blowing shit up and like <laughs> right. you know it it really or Clint Eastwood's ass yeah <laughs> Clint Eastwood and like it's trippy to think that like. Uh, like who I was even dating was different because like five years is a long time to make a movie and so like I'm telling my parents I was like yo I want to I want to drop out of college and just make movies and they're like no what the hell calm down and like the girl I was dating at the time like she was like too supportive but also like not really she's like it's just realistic and all that stuff and like when the movie finally came out all these people I've been talking to about it since I was 19 years old was like wow it really came out and it really happened and it's just like it was the biggest example of what can happen if you're patient it was it was mind-blowing for me and really inspired me to uh then write my own stories and and produce like this tv show that i was talking about earlier and stuff but uh yeah just really crazy hanging in there is is, is nuts because uh i feel like the odds were against them in a lot of ways so. I do want to talk about your TV show, but I also wanted yeah. to mention that Michelle and I were lucky enough to be at the premiere at the Castro. Oh, hell yeah. Sick. I, yeah. You were there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Was, whole, yeah. So the movie, but then also mm -hmm. like, uh, mm -hmm. um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Mike Marshall. Mike Marshall. Out. Yeah. Dude. I mean, yeah. I, like you're like I was, I, my, I didn't have any more tears to cry from the movie. And then he did that. And I was like, like just the hair on my yeah. arms like everything was it's just fucking chills <laughs> yeah dude, that was such a rad night and and yeah. i mean that movie stuck with me like i've seen it mm -hmm. a few times and yeah. i mean everything about it uh thank mm -hmm. you for sharing that those stories like Absolutely. i had no idea of your that you were involved that's it yeah. makes a lot of sense yeah it was um that was a dream day that 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 that, that premiere wasn't yeah. like literally it felt like san francisco had a prom like the whole yeah. city, the whole city was just like, oh, let's, we're all having a good time. Yeah, Barry Bonds was there for a second. Like I was nuts. <laughs> like yeah, and I yelled out his name. I was like, oh shit, it's Barry Bonds. And everyone started <laughs> looking at him. He kind of like waved. And everybody was like, no, no way. Like it was. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was nuts. Second shout out to Barry Bonds in the center. I was gonna say, but, uh, <laughs> I should buy a jersey now. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, uh, uh, okay. Well, so. Um, we didn't before we talked about the movie we didn't really talk much about um, you wanting to make movies or make tv or make you know filmic productions yeah. so where did that come from uh so in in third grade i used to write uh these stories uh, called 
So I write these stories called Monkey Planet, okay. where uh, basically I would write uh, these like like three three line pieces of paper movies where pretty much like my entire classroom was the cast my teacher was like part of the cast too and we would like go to space and like fight this like whole like alien planet and uh i came out with like maybe six or seven of these movies and like i was just standing in front of the class and read them and then at some point at recess just read them in front of you know whoever would just be there and in the uh, yard yard. yeah rule in the yard yes exactly (laughs) that's awesome with just these stories and just like these sci-fi stories and like the more people got excited about it the more i wanted to write and um i never really thought about like filmmaking filmmaking as like a possibility until honestly last black man in san francisco because i was like oh you you gotta go to school you gotta know you want to do this since you were a child you gotta have this on your resume this and like you gotta have the nice uh, camera and equipment but it's like they literally you know joe and jimmy really made me feel like whatever i imagine i could possibly bring to life because Mm. there's never been a such an accurate story portrayed on screen before about our hometown and that really really made me happy but um but after that, uh, after that in third grade, writing those stories, um, I just was always really into writing. And um, I wrote poetry, tried to write some songs, but even just like journaling was oddly fun to me. Mm, okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, just writing a lot of stories and like me just like imagining like, what if my crush liked me? Like what our life could be like? And like, I had this like, weird imagination of like a of having like a second life of like one day i'm gonna write a tv show about me growing up and like this person will play this person like i'll look at some teachers and i'm like they kind of they kind of look like seth rogan but not really but maybe <laughs> there'll be seth rogan in the show when totally. i'm older and like i would just kind of like that's what i would daydream about i would daydream about like uh adapting what i was going through in a real life um uh, production but mm-hmm. i never thought it was possible it was just something that i always kind of just kept in my head of like the end of sixth grade mike finally gets with his crush and it works out <laughs> and we have our you know first kiss and all that stuff and um yeah and so <laughs> and so now with the tv show i kind of wrote that into uh into life i mean uh so the tv show is called rent check series and basically it's funny i've experienced none of the things that you're gonna see in the show okay it's wildly different from my actual life but um but pretty much this show is about me going through a quarter life crisis in like a uh magic magical realism way Hmm. so i have like a guardian angel it's kind of like fairly odd parents a little bit and um pretty much my whole character is lost trying to figure out what's my purpose on this earth. I'm like very fed up with what I see on social media. I'm fed up about like what uh, stereotypes I feel like this country wants me to be. Mm-hmm. And so I just get to a point where I'm looking around and I'm just like, what's the point of my life? Like, why am I here? What am I doing this? And um, in a very like weirdly magical, exaggerated way, I feel like it is what everybody does hit in their you know mid-20s or even sometimes when they're 18 19 they're like what am, what am i gonna do with my life right you know, now that the structure of school is gone what the hell am i gonna do and because now it's up to you yeah right and you know I've, I've made the mistake it's not in the show but i've also made the mistake of like clinging to a person like the first mm. girlfriend i got after college i was just like oh you're my everything now like i whatever we do we do together and that's right. not the way you experience life not the way you you know um not the way you grow up so much. 
But uh, but yeah, but Rent Check series is pretty much that, and I tried to. Um, You've written all of it. Yeah, J- it's just you writing. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so I wrote uh, twelve episodes of this show. Okay. Um, originally, I originally I, I tried to write three. I wrote three like really good videos that I was gonna go with my comedy special that I wanted for uh, for twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, oh, you know, I'll put out these like these these videos, and then at the end of one video, I'll walk out on stage. And then 2020 was like, no, yeah. <laughs> no, you won't, right? You know. And so um, I came out with one video, which is Rincheck preview. It's on YouTube, but pretty much it's a video of me and this uh, me and my really good friend who's a rapper whose name is Thunderman O2. Oh yeah, uh, also he, in the movie, right? Yeah, he's also in the movie as well. Yeah. Um, he plays my brother in the show, and in the scene, you know, I, I find out that he's a police officer, and we have this whole like banter back and forth about like why I think it's wrong, and his perspective is just like, uh, like, well, you're a comedian, like your job isn't realistic, your job's not paying the bills, and I was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, but what you're doing is bad, and he was like, is it bad if I'm bringing groceries home? And mm-hmm. we have this whole like really real argument, and I was so sad that I couldn't come out with my comedy special in 2020, but I was like, I need to come out with at least one video. And mm. so I came out with that video on July 4th of 2020. And that was like also very interesting timing in the sense of like what was going on in the country at that time with George Floyd, yeah. uh, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. And so I felt like in my heart and soul, I was just like, I need to come out with this on July 4th, right? right. So release that. And it was the most, like the biggest, uh, the most calls I ever got for anything I've ever done in the past, like the most positive comments, like more than stand up, people were just like, I'm proud of you. Like, this is crazy. And so that gave me the confidence to kind of sift through the rest of my ideas. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, I'm going to write it. I'm going to write a show. And so, uh, in about, so I had these ideas in my head since I was like younger. And then, um, in about a week I wrote 12 episodes of the Damn. show. Yeah. I was just like, all right, this is funny. This is funny. But like, the episodes range from like five minutes to 15 minutes. And so mm-hmm. it was like, you know, either short jokes or long jokes, but um, kind of gave me, it really gave me the confidence seeing people understand my writing. Cause it's like for a long time, I knew people understood me public speaking cause I've done it so many different times, but it was such a new field for me to, to write and produce and direct something that I'm acting in. And so I was just like, this is, I'm just going to give people this and see what they think. And the positive response gave me the confidence to write a whole series. So. And how many of those have you made? Uh, well, of those video, those twelve episodes, or you, you're still working on them? Oh, they're in post production now, so we're completely. You've made all of them. Yeah, and you're now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Do you have mm-hmm. a like? Where where can folks see it? See oh, it? so we're still editing it right now. Okay. Yeah, but it's uh, it'll be out this fall on on YouTube because um, basically, after I came out with the video with me and my brother and the um coffee shop it's actually the tennessee grill i don't know if you know tennessee grill in the sunset but um basically after i came out with that video um i asked people I was like hey you know for full full season do you want to help me fundraise the money for it and we raised over fifteen thousand dollars from the community to give us to uh to make a show like Rad. no grants no help from outside sources because every time i try to describe the show to people people were like what that's what the hell this is weird fairly odd parents but real life black and <laughs> It's just a weird, you know, weird concept, but it makes me really happy because I feel like no one else, uh, no one else has made it before, and so, nice. um, yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm very happy to 
come out with that show. And yeah. um, besides mm-hmm. September 9th, asterisk maybe, mm-hmm. uh, do you have any upcoming... I'm not rapping yet, but I yeah, just want to no know. Worries. I just yeah. want to know, like, do you what else do you have in the in the near future that folks can? Um, in the near future, again, besides, yeah. um, the, besides the show, probably show on September 9th. Yeah, besides the probably show on September 9th, um, really just just the show, just rent check rent check series. Uh, been editing that like so I work at the school until like 5 p.m. and then I edit from about 5:30 until about 10 p.m. So, I mean, I take breaks. I go to sleep and eat food. But, like, you know, uh, yeah. That's, that's kind of your main gig right now. Yeah. Okay, you're not definitely. really doing much stand-up besides yeah. that. I'm, I'm doing stand-up here and there, for sure. But uh, for the most part, it's just really focused on trying to get the show done. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, we'll wrap with um, no big deal. But uh, our theme this season is we're still here. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know, like, born and raised... Mm-hmm. Obviously, you you love this city. You talked about how that love was kind of handed down to you, but it, mm-hmm. I feel like it's been sustained yeah. through your life, through yeah. various things. Like, mm-hmm. what does it mean to you to still be here? Oh man, everything. Honestly, like I, as soon as I moved out of, uh, pretty much moved out of my parents' house, I was just like, I just want to stay in San Francisco. Like, obviously, if I can't afford it, I'll move. But like, I've definitely lived in a spot where like I. I hated living there. I can't say where, but like, uh, it was me just not wanting to let go of being here in San Francisco because so many of my close friends have been evicted. And so it's just like, uh, sorry, the question is what, what does it mean to still be here? Right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I guess the, the mm-hmm. part of that question is, you know, like mm-hmm. what does San Francisco mean to you? Like, and, oh, and, and, yeah. and, and, and what mm-hmm. do you see? Like we're kind of at an inflection point, which mm-hmm. the city goes through every yeah. so often but like mm-hmm. i feel like this one is different like we haven't had a pandemic like yeah this and <laughs> sure. we haven't had mm-hmm. the last four years of what we had yeah um just, yeah. yeah just uh yeah san francisco is like it's beautiful man it, it, it definitely so it shaped my whole entire life and I, I feel like being an artist in san francisco it's like it's such a a dope beautiful thing because it's like we know we bring a lot of like intellect and love into mass mass media, but we're like constantly overlooked in music and comedy and everything. Like maybe it's like what Margaret Cho, Ali Wong, uh, Frankie Kionis, like we're the only like comedians who really made it, you know, and Robin Williams as well. Um, yeah. But uh, that and like musically too, it's just like, there's so much talent here and like, I think like the UN was like made here too, like even politics, yeah. like you the know. charter was signed here. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. there's just so many, just so much beautiful history in this small seven by seven, and so I just hold it so near and dear to my heart. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I <laughs> anytime I travel, it's the weirdest. Not even weird. It's just something that I consciously do. I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna you know buy like a 49er jacket and wear it wherever yeah. I'm going, or like a Giants hat. I'll bring that wherever I'm at, just so like. I don't know. I just feel like I always want to take it where where I go, you know. And um, I've still been searching for that San Francisco tattoo that I want to get because eventually I know I'm gonna get one, but I don't I don't know which one yet. But it's uh, it's like with the movie though. Mm-hmm. Take your time. Yeah, right. Take your time. It, it it'll right. come to me. Yeah. But San Francisco to me is like it's my parents, it's my family, it's my friends, it's my history. Um, yeah, fell in love, got my first fight here, like. Uh, I love everything about it. Are um, you optimistic on the the near future? 
for the city? Yes, I am. Just because right now I feel like artistically we're finally starting to get recognized for some stuff. And so it's like that feels really, really good. And with that always brings uh, bringing artists to the forefront, brings the issues to the forefront. So I'm excited in that sense because right now it's just like, uh, you know, tech is important, right? Like technology, the advancement of technology is important, but it shouldn't coincide with displacement, right? right? And so I feel like right now it's just like, oh, San Francisco, you mean Google Town or Facebook <laughs> Town, right? Or Salesforce <laughs> Town, right? right? But I feel like the more the artists get to speak about what's happening, I mean, you know, i.e. that, you know, last black man in San Francisco, um, hopefully people will will try to bring it back to the way it used to be and try to, you know, establish more rules and laws that help people stay here and hopefully bring people back. I've never heard of a law like that, but, you know, um, it just always tripped me out to think that, like, a lot of people move to San Francisco for the beauty and intellect and the food and the people, but it's like, what part of the culture do you think is going to be left if you keep pushing people out? What do you think you're visiting? Right, right. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just a funny thing, funny idea to move to a place and be like, I want my favorite stores here. Right. <laughs> the hell? Right. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's like, enjoy what you're here. I, I don't know. It's just such a entitled thing, the entitled way to go about traveling to a place. Mm-hmm. But but yes, San, San Francisco. That's what I hate. Yeah. <laughs> San Francisco. Is just, uh, it's I don't know. It's you believe in it. I believe in it a lot. Something about it. Um, and it's weird to think that, like, when I bump into people, you're like, oh, you're from San Francisco, you're a unicorn, right? And it's just, like, in a way that's, like, depressing to hear. But at yep. the same time, it's like, yep, there's some magic to me. There's some magic to everybody that's still here and fighting to be here. That was Mike Evans Jr. We'll be taking a couple weeks off as we prepare for and recuperate from the We're Still Here show next week. In the meantime, please subscribe to Storied San Francisco wherever you listen to podcasts. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season... We have more than 160 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, please rate and review our show so we can reach even more folks. We love email. Drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay healthy, keep dreaming, and we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.